Punky peeps, this is Angela Bowen, the host of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. And today I will be bringing you a new Punky Brewster episode, Season 2, Episode 18, Changes Part 2. Which aired on February 9th, 1986. Just as Punk... Already I'm off to a bad start. Just as Henry was planning to adopt Punky, a Fenster Hall bureaucrat named Simon P. Chillings rescinds his custody, citing Henry's age, illness, and his lack of a steady income. Mike Fulton tries to change his mind, but to no avail. Well, I hope that everybody had an amazing Christmas and everyone is just enjoying their time off if you're a kid in school. I hope you're enjoying your holiday break if you get a break from work. I hope you're enjoying that. And if not, I honestly hope that everyone is staying safe when they're on the roads. They're taking precautions. They're leaving space in between you and the car in front of you. Leaving a little early, just make sure you get where you need to go on time and you're not in a rush. Guys, I want I can't stress that enough. We, winter is finally here, unfortunately. You know we're going to have to deal with this to be able to get through spring. We got, what, January and March to get through still, right? Just please be careful. You know, the first snowfalls, we just got to get through the first big ones and then, you know, it's not nearly as, as terrible as, um... You know, as, as the big ones. We just got to get that out of the way. But, all right. Well, first of all, usually I do this at the end. I'm doing this at the beginning now. I want to say, give a sincere thank you to all of my listeners. Guys, I cherish you. I thank you all so much for listening to this podcast, whether you're just starting it now or whether you've been with me from the beginning. I thank you so, so much. Guys, I am coming up on a year in January of this podcast, and I have had an amazing time doing this. Think about it. One year soon that I've been doing this whole podcasting thing. It's... I just, I I can't believe it. I just, it's amazing that I was just listening to podcasts and thought to myself, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could do this. But then I thought, but what if nobody wants to listen to it? What if nobody really, you know, wants to listen to me talk about Punky Brewster and, you know, talk about the episodes and all that stuff? But people out there did. And, you know, you guys did. And you... Or just giving your support and just listening and thank you so so much. You know, I've get you know, people listen on iTunes, they also listen on SoundCloud and other platform other other listening things I don't even think I've ever heard of Overcast. Or some of the others, but that's what you guys use, that's awesome. I whatever you're using to listen to it, that's great. Like I said, I love giving you guys the episode recaps of Punky Brewster. It may not be every single week. I, with the new season approaching, season three, I'm going to shoot for every single week. That way, um, Punky Brewsters, it, it's still a long ways down the road, though, guys. Um, season three and four, if I do it weekly, it'll be done towards the end of January. <sighs> it'll be end, done towards the end of next October, and that's still a long ways off. 
You know, I might do, um, if you guys hear that scratching, it's Quinn scratching at the door while she's in her litter box. She does that. She does that when she's eating, and she doesn't like what I put down for her, even though it's cat food, or she wants me to refill her dish, even though I just did. She's a weird one, she is, but I love her. <laughs> so anyway, like I said, I love giving you guys the episode recaps of Punky Brewster every week or every other week. As you, you know, join me as I go into full detail, describe, you know, and that's the thing. You know, it used to be full detail. When I first got into it, I was writing notes. And these notes would take me all week long. And I was just decided to kind of now start doing it this way where I'm watching it. So that way, it's just taking me an hour, if that, to get through the episode. I'm not saying I'm doing it because I want to rush. I'm saying that this past year has been so devoted to podcasts, if you know... I already have another podcast that I've been working on since May, the Looking Back in My Wonder Years podcast. And that's pretty much podcasting for 2007. That took over my life. I don't want that to be the same for 2018. I do want to be able to have stuff to, you know, you know watch movies and, and read books like I was. I'm not saying I'm just going to throw out crappy episodes just so I can have a life again, but... But I just, I think this way, by watching it, you guys are getting my reactions as I'm watching the episodes. Because literally, I haven't seen some of these episodes in a while. And when we get to season three and four, I don't, I think there are some I may not have ever watched. Even when I had the DVDs, I'd like skip over. Maybe they weren't the greatest. I, I don't know. But we'll know when we get to them, won't we? <laughs> Alright, so, you know, I love sharing my occasional running commentary. That is the best. That is, to me, that's how I watch a movie. That's how I watch a TV show. My husband's the same way. Um, also, I wanted to say, yesterday I went and saw a couple movies. Um, I really hadn't been doing the theater too much because it just kind of stresses me. I'm not a fan of being in a theater with a bunch of people. So I saw The Greatest Showman, loved it, Had got the soundtrack for Christmas before I saw the movie. I'm like, I know I'm going to love the movie, I know I'm going to love the music, I'm, I want to get the soundtrack. So I listened to it on the way home from the dentist. Um, also, I didn't have, well, I kind of sort of have a cavity, they're trying to just see what happens with it. But other than that, everything looks good. Um, and then also after the movie yesterday, I went and saw Jumanji shortly after that. And I didn't have the greatest experience. The movie was good. Don't get me wrong. It was funny. I, I laughed a lot and everything. I saw the original Jumanji in 95 when I was like 13. I saw it with my dad. But now I purchased my tickets in advance. I purchased my ticket for this movie last Thursday. And I always sit at the back. I like to do that so I'm not with main people. But this was the day after Christmas, so of course the movie theaters are going to be full. So, anyway, I'm up there in my seat. There's a few people that come along. The guy next to me sits down and there's a couple more people in his family or whatever are coming. This lady comes up to me and says, oh, my family's sitting here. Do you think you can move down? I told her, no. Okay? I purchased my ticket over a week ago. You know, that's how they do the assigned seating now. You know, it's like I went out of my way in advance to get this ticket. I'm sorry if that makes me sound rude, but if you're planning a movie event with your family, you all want to sit together, 
go and pick a road that doesn't have anyone in it or for your family of eight or whatever. But don't come up there and say, oh, can you move person who's been sitting here? You don't do that to a person because that pretty much could ruin their movie experience. And by golly, was I pissed. I was annoyed going into it. Ugh. See, and after that, I'm like, you know, this is why I haven't been going to movies. That bullcrap right there. So anyway, not to mention there aren't really that many movies out. I mean, I've been kind of buying my movies so I could just watch them at home. Because ticket prices are like $9. And that's if you go before 6 o'clock. By then it's like 12 or something. But anyway, that's my rant, okay? I was just really irritated. I told Jeremy that last night when I got home. And he had to roll his eyes like, yeah, you gotta be kidding me. Really? <sighs> like... I mean, the theater was already getting full, and the back end where I like to sit was already getting full anyway. All right, guys, how about we get into this episode, and I'll, uh, I'll, uh, calm down now after getting, uh, irritated. Okay. Also, here's a quick little recap for those of you that may not have listened to Changes Part 1, but hopefully you did, because we're going into Changes Part 2 now. So... Henry's studio, photo studio, burns down. He has no income. He suffers an ulcer. The guy, Simon P. Chilling, shows up from Department of Family and Welfare or whatever. He's got the adoption papers. Punky lets it slip. Good old honest Punky, but then might not have been the time to be honest. Tells him... Henry has an ulcer. He's in the hospital. He's been real worried since he lost his only job. I still say he must be getting something from that management job. I'm not getting into that anymore because I just went on a full rant in the last episode. Um, that's pretty much it. She comes in thinking she's been adopted, brings these really awesome, colorful Henry balloons, and she's like, oh, you signed the papers. You're adopting me. And my heart is crushed. But as we get into this episode, the beginning, it's just, nothing bad happens just yet. She says, I want to give you balloons instead of flowers. So let's, let's start it up here. So uh, Punky and Sherry come in and they say how they got Henry balloons instead of flowers so you don't have to water them. And such and such. And Betty's like, girls, can you kind of excuse us? We're still continuing our conversation with uh, Mr. Chillings here. And um, on our way out the door, Punky says to Cherry, you know, I bet they haven't finished signing the adoption papers yet. And then as soon as they leave and uh, Mr. Chillings closes the door, um... He's, uh, basically... You know, I'm going to play this clip and then we'll just kind of go after it. Um, Betty says, don't worry, Henry. Punky can stay with me. She doesn't have to go to Fenster Hall. And he's like, you know, that's a good idea. They both look at Mr. Chillings and Mr. Chillings says, well, we would have to investigate you. So in the meantime, while we're doing that, Punky is going to have to stay a mandatory three days at Fenster to make sure that, you know, Betty is suitable to be able to take care of Punky. Why do I get the feeling that maybe her job might be in the way because she's a nurse and everything? So it's like maybe those girls may not have supervision all the time. But we'll see. We'll see what happens when we get into that. So I'm going to play that clip and I will be right back. Here, Henry. I got you these instead of flowers because you're not allergic to balloons. <laughs> Thank you, Henry. They're beautiful. 
<laughs> and you don't have to put balloons in water. <laughs> well, why don't you girls wait outside? We haven't finished talking with Mr. Chillings yet. They haven't finished signing the adoption papers. How am I going to tell Punky she has to go to Fenster Hall? You're not. Now, Punky can stay with me until you're up and around again. Good idea. Well, we do have an emergency custody rule for situations like this. Good. No Fenster, case closed. Not quite. Punky will have to stay at Fenster for at least three days while I investigate you to make sure you qualify as a temporary custodian. Oops, too tight. So we're trying to keep her out of Fenster. I'm sorry, but it's procedure. Oh, fudge, too loose. Forget the procedure. We're talking about a little girl. Can't you bend the rules for once? Bend the rules? My good man, rules are the only thing that separate us from the lower animals. <laughs> ah, just right. Now, would you like to say goodbye to Punky before I take her? How kind of you. Well, I... I try to be sensitive. <laughs> I noticed this guy's got his own little uh, eyeglass repair kit on him. That's what he was mentioning about was, you know, too tight, too loose. And then he's like, ah, just right. Hey, just like the three little bears. Anyway, I saw it at first because I hadn't played that. I was just kind of listening to the clip. And I thought he was referring to his tie. Like he was tightening it and then loosening it and so on and so forth. So, yeah, he says, um, would you like to say goodbye to Punky before I take her? Like, ugh. And Henry's like, oh, how kind of you. What in... I mean, Henry's like, can't you at least bend the rules a little bit? I mean, we're talking about a little girl here. And the guy, this guy's got, like, OCD or something. And, guys, I'm not slamming anyone with OCD tendencies of any kind. This guy, he's probably just a real stickler, you know, ball-busting guy where he's like, Nope, gotta follow the rules. If we don't, there'll be chaos. And crap like that. I was like, oh, guy, oh, my God. That guy's got a stick wedged up his butt. So that being said, Betty opens the door and basically, okay, guy, you need to get the heck out of here now. We're, we're done here. Send Punky in so Henry can break her heart now. Thanks. So Punky comes in and she calls him dad. And I don't know why that kind of sends shivers down my spine. Like, ugh, I don't like that. But I'll get used to it, guys, I promise. I know how this show ends. <laughs> he legally becomes her father. <laughs> Guys, oh, this is so heartbreaking to watch. She's just so happy, and he's like, uh, why don't you sit down? I have to tell you something. She's like, oh, I already know, but I'll let you tell me. Like, uh, it's not what you think, pumpkin. <laughs> it's not what you think at all. So she's so excited, she does her little happy dance, and Henry's just like, okay, sweetie, chill yourself, chill yourself now. Um, I can't adopt you, he tells her, and, and immediately the smile is gone, and she looks at him, and this is what she says, I don't understand, don't you want me? Sweetie, he's, it's not that he doesn't want you, he wants you, but... 
circumstances being what they are him being in the hospital him being without a job is preventing him from being able to adopt you he wants you more than anything you have to know this so he does indeed tell her more than anything in the world he wants to adopt her but mr chillings he explains says that situation being what it is won't let Henry adopt her until he gets his business back. So, God, I wish Henry had somebody that was, like, working behind the scenes, like, hey, Henry, don't you worry. You rest up. I will take care of everything. I will look into getting you a new business as far as what we need, you know, uh, a place to rent, you know, maybe some, you know, whatever, just to, to iron out all the fine details so Henry doesn't have to worry about that. So Punky takes it upon herself to say, don't worry, I think it'll be good if I stay here and help you get well. And this is where it gets really grim. Oh boy. He has to tell her she's got to go back to Fenster. Oh, God. So he tells her she has to go to Fenster, and she's just like, no, no. And he's, you know, he's just said, it's only for three days, and then you're going to stay with Mrs. Johnson. He says, you know, even though we're separated, we're still going to be, you know, hearts will be together and everything. And it's so sweet, guys. I'm playing this whole clip because it breaks my heart. And, uh, you know, and just think about it. You know, she was separated from a little bit in the be at the beginning of the show from Henry. He's like, you know what? We've been through it before. We are going to, we are going to knock this out, all right? Three days is like nothing. It's going to go fast. You're going to be back you know, with Mrs. Johnson, you're going to be adopted, you know, they've crossed this hurdle before, it's going to be good, I know, it's going to be fine, you know, they just got to be positive, he just tells her, you know, keep your chin up, it's going to be alright, so I'm going to play that clip. Okay, here I am, Dad. Sit down, Punky, there's something I have to tell you. Oh, I already know, but go ahead, I want to hear you say it. Well, I'm adopted. Punky, I can't adopt you. I don't understand. Don't you want me? Oh, honey, I want to adopt you more than anything in the world. The thing is, I can't right now. Why not? Mr. Chillings thinks I can't support you until I get my business together. And I can't do that until I leave the hospital. Oh. Hey, I know. I'll stay here and nurse you back to health. Kleenex, uh, aspirin, bedpan. Frankie, <laughs> you can't stay here. Where will I live? Fenster Hall. No! Punky, it, it'll only be for a little while, three short days, and then, with any luck, you can stay with Mrs. Johnson and Cherry until I come back home again. Oh, come on, Punky. Chin up. Just remember, even though we may be separated for a little while, our hearts will always be together. 
Mr. Chillings is waiting to take you to Fenster Hall. Okay. Goodbye. Oh, no. It's not goodbye. It's see you later. Why does it seem like goodbye? See you later. See you later. say their goodbyes or rather in Henry's case says it's not goodbye it's see you later so his door is open so he sees the clear shot of um Punky walking into the elevator with Mr. Chillings and then in the next scene we see the plaque Fenster Hall and it says underneath home for abandoned and neglected children its existence is or it was established in 1936 wow so Simon Chillings escorts her down the hall and still bustling with kids in the hall, playing games, tossing a ball across, this and that. Or actually not really nearly as much. It just seems like it's kind of come to order a little bit more, like it's not as rowdy looking. Punky, of course, looks through the window of the girl's dormitory and wonder if that girl Lisa's there. I hope she got adopted. I hope that girl got adopted. I mean, she didn't age out. She wasn't 18 in season one. So, let's see. So, um, Punky and, uh, looks through and she sees some girls. There's a girl sitting at the table. She's wearing glasses. She's, like, doing a domino set or whatever. There's a girl. Looks like they just swapped out a... Lisa, mean girl for another mean girl who's brushing a sweet little girl's hair. And this little girl whose hair she's brushing will get to her because she has a very sad story. But, oh, and there's a little African-American girl on a bunk bed. Gosh, it looks like they swapped out the male versions of um, the Fenster Hall uh, failed spinoff for female versions of these people. Um... Punky sees that she wrote underneath the windowsill. Very nice penmanship in a black sharpie, I might add. Punky left here 9.30, so September 30th, 1984. And underneath it says, and I'm never coming back. And it looks like never was underlined. Oh, God, that's got to be a punch to the gut. So Chillings takes her in there with four other girls. I see three beds. There better be another. There's a regular twin-sized bed. Then there's, like, a bunk bed. There better be more beds, buddy. Because what you say later on isn't going to make, does not make any sense. And there's one girl who's a mean girl, Lisa Point 2.0. is like, oh, it's crowded in here already. Well, yeah. It surely looks that way. Keep packing them in, buddy. You don't care. So he's like, here, make Punky feel at home. And Punky kind of turns to him and is like, well, the only place I'm going to feel like I'm at home is at home. I'm not, you're like, I'm not going to feel at home here. This is like a dang kennel or an animal shelter. So this guy sits down on the bed and he's like, yeah, we're all one big family, happy family, right, Millie? And the girl's like, 
my name is Liz. And then the African-American girl who's sitting on the top bunk is pointing to the girl at the table like, that's Millie. Guy, you don't even know your own residence. What the hell is wrong with you? Ugh. Family my butt. You are anything but. Oh, we get this little bespectacled girl. <laughs> she waves. She's got uh, her hair in braids. That's cute. So Simon Chillings just laughs it off like, eh, my mistake, my bad. Oh, you're a funny weasel or some crap. And she turns to him and says, uh, my name is Wheezy or something. Like, jerk, get out of here. I see how often you make, um, resident, uh, room visits or something. So Chillings is all like, oh, you girls should start wearing name tags. And, um, what the hell's her name? Liz. I'll remember it. Um, Liz is like, good idea. You know, everybody should wear some sort of name tag. As she uh, puts a construction paper, like, um, thing on, you know, sign on the back of it that probably says kick me or something to that effect. It's like, hey, tell me I'm a dork or something. Punky, of course, has to giggle. <laughs> These kids, they don't like this jerk either. So as Chillings gets ready to head out the door... He's like, hey, uh, you girls should make Punky feel, you know, get a, re get acquainted with her or something like that. And he's like, remember, a fenster girl's a happy girl. And I'm already like, shut up, guy, get out of here. I can't believe I gotta deal with your butt for three more episodes. Good golly. Get him out the door. So he goes to open the door, and we do see the sign on his back says, sorry, I was born this way. Oh, Liz, woo, you go, girl! <laughs> and all the girls laugh at this dork of a guy. Well deserved. Bless me, he jerks me. He's a jerk. He's only gonna get worse later on. I want to punch him in the face. So the girls all laugh with Punky, and then Punky is like, "Sorry, guys, I'm eating Chex Mix." Um. And Punky's like, oh, "Wow, that was really funny." And then immediately, Liz, who's brushing the little girl's hair, turns the little girl around, away from Punky. Then the girl with the glasses at the table, who looks like she's making some sort of a moat or a castle with crayons and dominoes, turns away. It's like, wow, well that little happiness ended fast. What the heck? Oh, these kids. So, how long have those girls been there is what my curiosity is asking. Jeez. Well, I mean, being a newcomer and then coming in, it's like you don't really know how to perceive it. To them, Punky is just another body in the room, taking up space. All right. We got a shot of this cutie patootie here that uh, Liz is brushing her hair. Um... This actress is played by Judy Barcy. Hold on. Let me... I want to get up her IMDb real quick so I can be formal about this. Because this is... This is heartbreaking on a billion levels. Probably even more so than the Changes episodes. But hold on. So the actress's name is Judith... Judith Barcy. She was born in 1978. She died in 1988. So she was 10. Hold on a second. Okay, yeah. She was born in June of 78. 
Um, she did a bit of voice work, actually. Let me go back here. I mean, you guys could even check this out for yourselves as well. Um, she played, she did the voice of Ducky in 1988. Um, her last role would have been as Anne-Marie in All Dogs Go to Heaven in 1989. And the song at the end of All Dogs Go to Heaven called Love Survives was actually written for Judith Barcy. Um, she and her mother were both killed by her father. And it's a very horrific death, very sad, and I'm sorry to be bringing it up, but it's just, this is... When did she start? This. Let's see here. Oh, she was in quite a few things here. So she was in 1986, so this would have been um, two years prior to her passing. Oh, she was in quite a bit of things. Oh, a TV movie called Kids Don't Tell. Um, Monkey Brewster. She was in Cheers as child number one. New Gidget. Love Boat. She was in, oh, Christmas Angel. That's sweet. Um, Jaws the Revenge, Tracy Ullman Show, Growing Pain, she played Little Carol, I remember that, that was a graduation episode where Mike graduated high school and there were flashbacks, she was in St. Elsewhere, she was in the after school special called A Family Again, A Family Comes to Grips with Their Own Grief After Their Eldest Daughter Is Killed, oh god that's grim. Um. Yeah, guys, this is just terrible. This is absolutely... But let's get back to the episode. Uh, I don't even know what this old girl's name is. I don't think she has a name just yet, but we're going to find out. Oh, her name is Anna. Oh, she's so cute. She's so adorable. That's her sister? She looks nothing like her. Because, you know, Punky's just being nice. Like, hey, what's your name? Anna says, my name is Anna. And then... Liz gets off the bed, brush in hand, is like, stay away from my sister, don't talk to her. It's like, excuse me, you don't look anything like the girl, so what kind of sister is she? Probably not. Sister from another mister? She, uh, maybe they all think of each other as sisters? I don't know. Anyway. Oh, I also wanted to comment, if you're, if you watch this episode, check out this scene. There's, like, hardly any space between the top bunk and the bottom bunk. I know these girls are, like, you know, small. They're, like, maybe 8 or 9 or 10 years old. But my gosh! The person could suffocate on that bottom bunk. Oh, my God. Not to mention this girl who's threatening her with a hairbrush. I want to talk about her for a second. Hold on. This actress who plays Liz... Laura Jacoby was born, you know, October 1974. Anyway, she looks familiar. I'll tell you why. Her brother, um, who we'll see in a minute, it's been a, a lot of freaking stuff. Her brother, Robert J. Janey, J-A-Y-N-E, he has been, you will recognize this dude. If you have seen the show The Wonder Years, he played where the hell was it hold on he also played in the episode of small wonder he was a bully in that one and he also played a character named walter who befriended uh danny pintaro jonathan bauer the character on who's the boss 
He kind of dressed like a bully. Um, Wonder Years. Boom. Here we go. Eddie Panetti. The Wonder Years. He was in Season 2, Episode 12, entitled Fate. This guy, he's got the face of a bully, too, because it seems like that. He's kind of typecast in that way a little bit. But, um... Yeah, he's like, does little bit parts and stuff. But anyway, it's like, those kids look so, like, really resemble each other. So, alright. Let's get back into this episode, guys. I'm sorry if that little segment there bored you. (laughs) This girl's all business. She's like, you got something to say, you say to me. And then Punky's like, alright. And then the girl's like, in her face, like, I ain't interested. Like, whoa, girly, you rule that room, huh? You the boss? So, Punky smiles at Anna again. Why am I confusing her with that cute little girl, Mary? It's the same scenario as the first season in Fenster Hall in season one. And, um, the girl, Liz, turns her forcibly away. It's like, that girl's old enough to say, she's got, she's like maybe four years old. She's probably old enough to say, hey, I'll talk to who I want to talk to. I'll look at who I want to look at. But anyway, then we get Wizzy, or Wheezy, whatever her name is. She comes up like, hey, you've been on the outside and she's talking to Punky. What's going on on the show Dynasty? Because she says something like, did so-and-so find out that so-and-so is not who they say they are or something to that degree? And it's like, I don't watch that crap. I don't watch Dynasty. I don't watch, uh, um... Dallas either. <laughs> I don't watch that stuff. I'm sure Henry wouldn't let her watch that either. I mean, heck, at first I thought she was talking like a soap opera, like Guiding Light or like General Hospital or All My Children or One Life to Live. I mean, I know those were all going at that time. So Millie kind of breaks the news and says that Wheezy here is a TV addict. And to her defense, Wheezy's like, no, I'm not. I just can't live without it. You know what? Enjoy that TV, kids, because 2017, they ain't nothing on TV. People go to Netflix, they go to Hulu, they go to Amazon Prime, where you can binge watch TV shows and stuff like that. All that's on TV, it seems like, is like reality shows and this and that, and all the three Kardashians are pregnant, which I just learned on, uh, while I was sitting in the dentist office. Seriously? The Kardashians? I don't watch that crap. But dang it, they all gotta have kids? Is that all they do? Is that the only time they're in the news is when their spouses are breaking up with them or cheating or they're having a kid? Anyway. Oh, boy. Ugh. Then covering her TV back then, right? Remember the days when there was, like, a movie of the week? You don't even see that anymore. Lifetime is the only one that does these... Craptastic movies. I don't- so Millie says, <laughs> admits that um, Wheezy's mom is the same way because she named her daughter after George's wife on the Jeffersons. Oh, God. Well, how does she know that? I mean, how? Seriously, I kind of want to know how long have these girls been in here? Years? I mean, their parents just up and dropped them? Like, oh, tired of raising you, child. Here you go. You can stay here. Like, come on. Weezy probably says that she even has a brother named Magnum. So, like, Magnum P.I. If that's the case, then where's your brother? 
Do neither of you live with your mom? What's going on here? I want to know more about this girl's backstory. What did her mother just say? I can only raise one of you, so I guess it's going to be your brother and you can go stay at Fenster? I don't like this at all. Punky even admits that Henry doesn't want her to watch Dynasty. And look, oh, I, I figured. Yeah, you don't want her watching that trash. Sorry to anybody out there who's a Dynasty fanatic. I'm sure there are podcasts out there about Dynasty. Maybe I should check that out sometime. Nah, I'm not gonna. I don't watch that show. Although, hasn't Dynasty also been rebooted too, just like Dallas has? I thought they were, like, doing some CW reboot. See, this shows you how little I watch TV anymore. So Liz hops off the bed and is like, Hey, aren't you the same Punky Brewster? The same one that wrote your initials outside that window there? And then Liz says, How you wrote that you're never coming back? And Punky's like, Yeah. Then Liz crosses her arms and is all like, Ugh. Yeah, I knew it. I can spot a lifer a mile away. A lifer? What the heck? What are you talking about, girl? Lifer? Punky is not a lifer. Okay, so Liz kind of tells her a lifer is basically some kid who's bounced from one foster home to another. That for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. Or maybe the foster home is taking in another younger child. And then the older one has to be booted someplace else. So they unfortunately have no foster homes available. Boom, they go back to foster. Fencer Hall. Gosh, I'm sorry. So, uh, the show The Brady Bunch gets a drop here as, um, Liz is all like, there's two kinds of kids. The ones that wind up here and then the ones, the Brady kids that are, no, she said lifers and Brady kids, which are the kids that their biggest problem is trying to fit all their new clothes in a closet or some something to that degree. Like, eh. How did... Punky not know what the Brady Bunch is. I mean, I know that show aired in the 70s, and it's like 86 here, but they still would have been in reruns. Heck, I was watching them in the 90s in reruns. And, of course, uh, Wheezy's got to add her, you know, this one and that one, Mike, you know, um, Greg and Peter and Bobby and um, Marcia and Jan and Cindy and all that hula. <laughs> and Liz is like, she gets it, she knows. We don't need to go through the whole spiel. And please don't sing the theme song either. <laughs> so this girl, Liz, is really harping. Like, she has really got a chip on her shoulder. It's like, you know, Foster's never take you back. And ever, this and that. And how, you know, Brady Bunch show was kind of like Florence Henderson was like the perfect mom. Always tucking her kids in, giving them gifts, this and that. And Liz is just, you know, foster kids never get to go back to their foster families. Whereas, you know, Punky is just justifying, you know, Henry does all of those things for me and I can't wait to get back to him. And just Liz is really shooting down every possible thing that Punky brings up. She's got a, a, a way to put her down. It's like, no, no, you're dreaming. You're never going to be reunited. Like... Come on, girl. Liz is all like, you know what, you're dreaming, kid. You know what happens to dreams? And boom, she takes her arm and just sweeps it across that little uh, castle that uh, Millie was doing. Like, that's what happens to dreams. She must make those girls' lives there a pure living hell. It's like, I know that you got a chip on your shoulder and stuff, but please don't be bringing down Punky or the other girls, all right? I don't 
what what do you say to that? Honestly, what can you do to change that girl's mind? You know, I'm gonna turn on a light in here. It's getting kind of dark. I mean, I got the um the <clears throat> the shades the um blinds open, but yeah, it's going on five o'clock, so it's getting dark. So I'm gonna open. Turn on the lights. So now we move back to Henry's apartment with Chillings and Betty. And he doesn't exactly have the best news for her. As she finds out, she thinks, you know, I'm not fit to be able to take care of Punky while Henry's in the hospital. And Chillings is like, well, I didn't say you weren't fit. I said you weren't qualified. It's like, same deaf jerk. All right, I'm going to play that clip. Not fit enough to take care of a child, huh? I'm surprised you think I'm fit enough to pack a suitcase. I didn't say you weren't fit. I said you weren't qualified. Oh, bull peppers. <laughs> Take care of more kids than the old lady who lived in a shoe. Yes, well, unfortunately, your apartment isn't much larger than a shoe. <laughs> the rules state clearly that the foster child must be provided with his or her own bedroom. Let me get this straight. Now, Punky is not allowed to share a room with her best friend. She has to go to Fenster Hall and share a room with four strangers? Well, uh... Yes. Well, the bozo who came up with that rule ought to have his qualifications checked. Now, calm down. <laughs> Touch me and you die. <laughs> Why can't you be reasonable? Rules are the only thing that separate us from the lower animals. Am I right? <laughs> Why doesn't anyone give me the respect I deserve? she said I've taken care of more children than the lady who lived in a shoe and then Chillings tells her oh, that's the problem your apartment isn't any, any bigger than that it's like well wait a minute she's gonna have a two bedroom doesn't she that's the same size as Henry's place so why is that a problem okay this is where I call bull here where he says the rules clearly state that a foster child must be um, provided with their own room. Really? How about those how many girls that are in that dormitory with like three beds and you got like five girls there? Huh? You tell me that, sir. Why don't you take a look? Somebody needs to go and inspect Fenster Hall and shut them or something. I don't know. I think that's a bunch of bullcrap. Maybe that uh, if Henry could have had Betty added as an emergency contact or something, unless he already did. And, of course, there wasn't an inspection done or something. It was like, she will be fine. Give me a break. You're telling me all kids that go into foster care get their own room? Bull! I lived with my aunt and her five kids. I had to share a bedroom when I lived there on the through the... And that was five days a week for a year. Most likely and a half. Or maybe it was a year. But, anyway, I had to share a room. When I lived at my dad's, you know, I'd go there on the weekends, I had my own room. But then when I went back to my aunt's house Sunday night for, so I could go to school, because my dad worked third shift, I had to share a room with my cousin, who wasn't very nice, even though she was a couple years, a few years younger than me. 
<clears throat> Talk about an adjustment there. But no, I didn't get to have my own room. In fact, many times over the years, my aunt had to um, add rooms to the house because, you know, after her fifth child, and years later down the road, she had a sixth and then a seventh child. But by the time she had her seventh child, two of her sons were already probably off to college by then. So, all right, let's jump into this here. This guy is such a jerk. I can't wait to be done with him. I don't like him. He's a jerk. He's a meddling jerk. And if this podcast wasn't rated clean, I would tell you all of my feelings. Oh, Betty, you go. You go. You tell him exactly what I said. She's like, let me get this straight. So she can't share a room with her best friend, but she'll go to Fenster and share a room with four other girls? zero actual explanation behind this. Yeah, of course. He's like, looks, Brandon looks at the guy like, okay, what's your answer, buddy? And he's, he just says, yes, yes, she does. Like, um, no. That, Betty, if you saw that room, you would see there are not enough beds for those kids. So when Betty leaves the room, Chillings is all like, uh, rules are the only thing that separates us from the animals. Turns to Brandon and asks, am I right? Brandon just growls at him like, you don't test me, buddy. You took my girl away. You're lucky I don't bite you right now. So with the door open, Brandon takes off like, all right, boy, go find your girl. Go find Punky. So it looks like Millie was able to get that fortress put back together and she's got her, um, um, so big crayons. Like, wow. Did any, I can't remember if I used, I might have as a kid. Kids probably use those big, thick crayons, right? When they couldn't grip the smaller ones yet. Oh, actually, it's Punky that's putting it together. Okay, I thought it was Millie. Okay. Well, you gotta do something to kill time, am I right? Is it Pooh Bear on the wall? A little decal sticker on the wall? It looks like Pooh Bear by the window. So who should appear at the door but Brandon! And he's got the holiday photo from season one. Oh, Brandon! Punky hasn't seen him yet, but she will. She'll be so excited. I take it this has got to be on the floor level that she's on. Oh, wait. No, that's not, um, that's not Pooh. They're hiding his face. That's not Pooh Bear on the wall there. But Punky turns around like, ah, Brandon! Aww. And she sees that he brought her their picture. Aww. Yeah, get the doggy inside. It's going to be cold outside. I don't know how far away Fenster is, but Brandon was able to find it. He must have used his nose to follow her scent. Is this still the first day, I wonder, that she's still there? So she says, Brandon, do you miss, miss me as much as I miss you? And he barks. I'm like, you know he did. You're his girl. So um, she's like, don't worry. I'll be out of here in a day or two with you and Henry and Cherry and Mrs. Johnson. So I want to play that clip because it's so cute. I'll be right back. <laughs> come true. Brandon! Ha! 
to see you. You brought our picture. Thanks, boy. Do you miss me as much as I miss you? Well, don't worry. I'll be back with you, Cherry, and Mrs. Johnson in a day or so. I've brought your things. It looks to me like you brought everything. I'm not going to be here that long. Uh, Punky, sit down. I'm afraid you're going to be here longer than we had planned. But you said Mrs. Johnson could take me. I said she could if she qualified. Unfortunately, she does not. How long will I have to stay here exactly? Well, I don't know exactly, but it could be quite a while. with him that he collected from Mrs. Johnson and says unfortunately things have changed now it looks like you might be staying here at Fenster a little longer than anticipated and it turns out you know Punky's like well wait I thought I was staying with Mrs. Johnson and he's like well circumstances have changed because she's not eligible to take you which is a bunch of crap and <laughs> Luckily, smart old Punky was thinking. She's like, alright, this guy. Get him in that closet. Get him in that wardrobe. Takes her bandana, wraps it around the door handles. He is locked in there. And Chilling's just like, alright, hey, let me out, girl. Let me out, Punky. And he's like, be reasonable. There's nowhere else that you can go. And Punky's like, <laughs> Punky's like halfway out the window. She's like, oh, there's somewhere I can always go. And she leaves. Like, you're on your own, buddy. If you die in there, I don't care. Because I am getting the heck out of here. So, <laughs> good girl. She is going to school. Okay, here's a question. Why isn't she going to school? Are they educating kids there at Fenster? Or do they just not care about their education? That's what I want to know. So we are going to happen upon the school and see what's going on with Mike. Guys, this season is Mike Fulton's last season. We will not see him after this season. He will be out the door. We haven't gotten there yet. Oh, God, Mike, no, don't go. So Mike apparently hasn't heard of the current situation. He thinks that Punky is going to be staying with Cherry and Mrs. Johnson. Punky says, they're not going to let me do that. 
And she begs Mike, she begs Mike, like, please fix it. And he's like, well, how? She's like, I don't know, just fix it. It's like, yeah, Mike, work your magic. I mean, he worked at Fenster. He can't, can he pull some strings or something? I mean, he grew up there. So Mike has her, you know, he's like, just points to a desk and says, Punky, why don't you sit down for a minute? And she is like, oh, no, no, I'm not doing that again. I fell for that last time. Every time I sit down, someone tells me to sit down. I get bad news. I am not doing that again. He's like, all right, you can stand, but I'm going to have to take you back to Fenster. Punky's like, geez, sitting, standing, and getting bad news either way in any position. So, guys, I want to play this clip, and I'll be right back. Cherish these Mike clips, please, because we are not getting many more of Mike. Punky, Mrs. Johnson tells me that you're going to be moving in with her in a couple of days. No, they won't let me. They've taken me away from Henry and everybody I love. I know what to do. My last hope. What do you want me to do? Just fix it. How? I don't know. Just fix it, please. Punky, sit down. Oh no, I'm not gonna fall for that again. Every time I sit down, somebody gives me bad news. <laughs> okay, then stand. But I'm gonna have to take you back to Fenster. Oh boy, sitting, standing. Now I get bad news in any position. <laughs> Tell you what. I still know a lot of people that work at Fenster Hall. Now, maybe I can talk to the person who's in charge of your case and I might be able to straighten this whole thing out for you. Thanks, Mike. I knew you wouldn't let me do <laughs> By the way, who is in charge of your case? Mr. Jones. Simon Chillings? Uh, I'm right behind you. So then we see um, Mike says he might, you know, being that he worked at Fenster, maybe he can pull some strings to kind of get this whole matter settled away. And um, he says, I can speak to your caseworker. And he asks who it is. And Punky says, well, it's Simon P Chillings. Oh, my God. Mike's blood runs cold. Like, Simon Chillings? And she's like, yeah, come on. So now we're in Fenster in the office of Simon Chillings. And Chillings, of course, is really angry because Punky locked him in a closet. Like, give me a break, guy. He's like, oh, she made a laughingstock me. Well, you know what? You are a laughingstock. And you're a big dang jerk. So you kind of deserve it. So clearly this guy, Chillings, has got a beef with Mike because he's you know the whole thing with you know Mike is defending Punky like she's a great girl we all love and care for her and then Chilling's clearly is like you know when I took over here all I heard was Mike Fulton this he let us stay up late he gave us extra dessert he let us raise a pig on the roof and then Mike is like, well, how is uh, Petunia? And then Chillings is like, she was delicious. I'm like, you monster! How dare you eat that poor little piggy? So all this guy gives a crap about is the fact that he says that I have Fenster running like a whale-oiled machine. 
And he even accuses Mike of having his heart on his sleeve. He's, like, too emotional. It's like, you have to allow yourself some emotion. These are children that we're talking about here. They're not products in a, in a factory that you're just trying to ship out. I mean, come on, guy. That guy's head is not where this business should be. Not at all. So I want to play this clip. It's just, you know, Mike is just really going to bat for Punky here. And Simon is, Chillings is shooting him down at every possible angle. Oh my goodness gracious. So here's that clip. But Simon, you can't... Fulton, don't defend that child to me. She is incorrigible. She really didn't do any harm. She incarcerated me in a closet. <laughs> she made a laughing stock out of me. Simon, you already had a head start on that. <laughs> no, it's no wonder Mr. Wormont has an ulcer trying to raise that little wildcat. He loves her. We all do. She's a terrific little girl. Excuse me. There's something on your sleeve. What? Your heart! <laughs> you haven't always been too emotional. Too emotional? When I took over here, all I'd hear from the children is, Mr. Fulton let us stay up late. Mr. Fulton let us have an extra dessert. Mr. Fulton let us raise a pig on the roof. Uh, how is Petunia? She was delicious. Simon, that's cold. That's cold. The point is, I now have Fencer running like a well-oiled machine, and I don't want you coming along here and gumming up the works. Simon, I'm not trying to interfere. I only want what's best for Punky. So do I. Good. Then I'd like you to reconsider your decision about letting Punky stay with Mrs. Johnson. All right. No. <laughs> Why not? I mean, what's more important? Whether she's in a wholesome, caring environment, or whether she has her own bedroom? Calm down. I'm sorry. I, I can't help it, man. You ate my pig. <laughs> well, in my judgment, Punky's better off here. Hey, look, she'll only be staying with Mrs. Johnson for a short time until Henry can get back on his feet again. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because now I'm questioning whether she should be with Mr. Warnemont at all. What are you talking about? I'm considering placing Punky with other foster parents. Well, unconsiderate. That little girl and that old man love each other. The key word is old. No, the key word is love. Simon? heart those two belong together can't you give henry just a little more time well on one condition what that you get out of my office hey it's a deal but i warn you if for any reason mr warnemont is unable to recover financially or physically i will not hesitate to place punky in a new foster home unlike you i am not blinded by emotion i see the whole picture these eyes Miss nothing. Uh, never mind. Ciao. So Mike says, you know, it's only for a little bit. She can stay with Mrs. Johnson until Henry's on his feet again. And that's when Chillings is like, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Because I'm really considering whether she should be with Henry, you know, Mr. Warnemont at all. And Mike is like, well, wait a minute. What are you talking about? And that's when Chilling says, I'm thinking of placing Punky with another foster family. Why? Why would you do that? When she's already transitioned from Henry to Fenster, you're going to put her in another foster home just to, like, gut out another product? 
or wh whatever in his well-oiled machine? Like, come on. Let her stay at Fensterland if she has to stay there. Do not ship her off to another foster home until Henry's back. I mean, oh, oh my God. There's got to be other people to answer to, not just this guy. Come on. Oh, my God. This guy, I hate him. Yeah, and Mike says, well, I'm considerate because that old man and that little girl love each other. And then Chillings is like, oh, yeah, the emphasis here is on old. Like, excuse me, we went through all this bull crap back in season one when the same, you know, Randy eventually, you know, her problem was, yeah, he was too old. Henry was too old to take care of Punky. But she saw through that after them seeing them spend time together. So why can't this guy get his head out of his butt and see that? So Mike again repeats that Henry, uh, Henry and Punky belong together and that Simon needs to have a heart, which the guy does not have. And Simon is finally like, you know what, fine, 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 fine. I will give him a little more time, but if for any reason Henry is, Mr. Mormont is not able to recover physically or financially, that he said he will not hesitate to put her in a, fo a new foster home. Ugh, come on, guy. Ugh. I mean, yes, protocol and all that crap, but come on. So back at the hospital, uh, Betty's informing Henry about the, her whole not being qualified to be able to look after Punky, Punky for a few days. Henry is not happy about that. So that being said, Henry, like, whips off the covers and gets ready to jump out of bed. It's like, Henry, buddy, you are not in a position to be able to leave the hospital. You need to recuperate, okay? You collapsing somewhere because you're not recuperating is not going to help Punky. It's not going to help the situation and not going to bring her any closer to you, okay? Let people take care of this, okay? Mike is working his magic, you know, just, just, it's going to be all right. So yeah, Henry's up and about. He goes to the set of dress, dresser drawers, pulls out his clothes, puts his hat on. He's still wearing his hospital gown. And Betty is saying, you have an ulcer, okay? This is serious. You have another mishap or whatever. You're going to be going under the knife. And Henry's like, you know, I don't care what that quack says, all right? He's more concerned about his golf score than he is with with me, so I really don't care. His mind is like, I gotta get out of this bed, I need to be doing something to further along, get my financial stability up, get my business going again. He is not focused on his health. His mind is all on Punky and what he needs to do to get her in his life and adopted. So that's when the phone rings and Henry automatically just assumes it's like chillings and he answers it like, what do you want? Turns out it's Punky, and she's just calling to see how he's doing. Oh, He's like, yeah. All right, guys, I want to play this clip, okay? I'll be right back. I can't believe Chillings wouldn't let Punky stay with you. That child ahead was born with a rule book instead of a heart. <laughs> Henry, what are you doing? All this lying around and resting is making me a nervous wreck. I'm getting out of here. You can't do that. Watch me. The sooner I get my life together, the sooner I get Punky back. Henry, you've got an ulcer. Uh, the doctor said one more flare-up, 
and you have to go under the knife. Ah, stuff and nonsense. The only slice that quack is going to make is with his three wood. <laughs> what do you want? Three? Punky. Hello, sweetheart. How are you doing? Oh, much better now that I'm talking to you. I miss you. Oh, honey, I miss you too. You know, Mike's here with me. He just talked to Mr. Chillings, and he said, as soon as you get out of the hospital and reopen your studio, I get to come home with you. Yo, Henry, get well. <laughs> oh, getting better every minute. Should be any day now. Well, I hate to rush you or anything, but can you pull it off by Friday? Well, Friday sounds fine. In fact, I'm leaving the hospital right now. Henry. Get my suitcase. I ought to get you a straight jacket. Bunky, uh, first thing tomorrow, I'm going to the bank. I'm taking out a loan and... Uh, Henry. I'm taking out a loan and opening a new studio. So don't worry, you and I will be... Talk to Mr. Chillings, who said that as soon as you get on your feet and you open that studio, I get to come home with you. Aw, Brandon's standing right next to her. What a good dog. I love that! <laughs> Mike shouts to the, from uh, into the phone like, hey, yo, Henry, get well, right? <laughs> Mike, you are awesome, buddy. Henry tells her he's getting better every day. And Punky's like, well, I hate to rush you, but do you think you can get better by Friday? <laughs> and Henry's like, yep, Friday sounds great. I'm leaving the hospital right now, in fact. And uh, Henry whispers to Mrs. Johnson, like, get my suitcase, all right? So as he's Henry's talking to her, he's saying that first thing, um, I'm going to go to the bank and I'm going to get a loan. And you can see he's kind of grabbing at his side and kind of wincing in pain. And Betty's right there. She's seeing this. It's like, Henry, you, the thing you need to do is get back into bed. You are not ready to go anywhere, guy. You know, and, and Betty's just kind of over there, you know, you know, kind of just hanging on his arm. Like, are you? And Henry's like, no, just he pushes her, her away. Like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just don't worry about me. So then he continues to say how I'll be opening a new studio, and then you and I, and then he just collapses into the chair. Oh, God. Oh, Henry, Henry. Buddy, you were rushing it. I know you want to get her back, but you are going to... You're going to be in the hospital even longer if you're not careful. That guy shouldn't have been going on his damn golf game. I'm sorry. But no. He shouldn't have... He been, should have been focusing on Henry. Betty is... It. She doesn't even work there, and she's the nurse. But she um, goes to his bedside, hits the emergency, and says, "Hey, get someone down here, stat. We have a we have a, a problem." Oh no! Betty opens the door, and there just happens to be a nurse right there walking by, and she's like, "Get a nurse, get a doctor, stat." So all the while, Punky's on the phone wondering what's going on. She's like, "Henry, Henry, are you okay?" And then, of course, that's where the scene ends. 
episode stops right there and it says to be continued at the end. I'm like, okay, we are going to be going into episode three tomorrow. So they really drew this out, guys. They really drew this out. Alright, well that's pretty much the end of the episode. Um, before I get into the Brandon Tailwag episode rating and the Punky's Principles, my friend, my Punky pal, Lauren, has some stuff she would like to say. So, without further ado, you know what, first of all, let, yeah, let's do the uh, Brandon Tailwag episode rating and then everything else, and then we'll play her clip right after. Alright, so... I'm giving this episode 5 out of 5 Brandon Tailwags. 1. Punky giving Henry the balloons as a get-well gift instead of flowers. 2. Brandon visiting Punky in Fenster Hall. 3. Punk, uh, Mike going to bat for Punky as he battles it out with Simon Chillings over Punky's care. What's best for Punky? 4. Henry being the go-getter and wanting to get out of the hospital bed and get down to the bank to get a loan to open up his business. Fortunately, Henry, it does not work that fast. <laughs> and to get to Punky. His intentions are good, but unfortunately his ulcer decides he's not going anywhere as Henry clutches his side in pain and collapses. 5. Punky and Henry's conversation on the phone was very sweet, and then unfortunately he uh, has that pain from that ulcer. Punky's principles. This is in Henry's case. If you are recuperating in the hospital, your main focus should be getting well. Leaving before your condition has been evaluated and you've been properly discharged by your doctor is just going to result in you being in the hospital longer than you want to and also adding to your recovery time. In other words, not good. Here is some YouTube comments. This was a real rough moment for all of us when we were kids in the 80s. The feels, man. The feels. 805, Henry waving from the bed breaks my heart. All right. Let's hear from, let's see some new listeners. Clarksburg, West Virginia. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Centerville, Maryland. Chino, California. Houston, Texas. Lenexa, Virginia, Muskegon, Michigan, Ashburn, Virginia, Charlotte, North Carolina, Irving, Texas, Laurel, Maryland, Albertus, Pennsylvania, St. Louis, Missouri, and Mountain View, California. All right. Well, join me later this week for Changes Part 3. Season 2, Episode 19, Changes Part 3, which aired on February 16th, 1986. Punky's friends visit her at Fenster Hall, hoping that Simon Chillings won't notice, and by taking his glasses, he doesn't, Mar when Margo impersonates Punky so that the real Punky can visit Henry in the hospital. Oh, whoops. That was my timer, guys. My din-din is done. So, alright, let's listen to what Punky pal Lauren has to say about the changes episodes. All right. Hola, Angela. I'm so sorry that I'm just now giving you my thoughts on changes part one, but here they are. I know it's a day or so late. I loved your commentary. It was amazing. So on to my first thought. I really did feel bad for Henry when his photography studio burnt down. I just can't believe that was his only source of income. Like you, I thought he was getting money when the tenants paid him rent. Really? Unless there's someone 
higher up than him that, you know, that gets more than he does, but I'm assuming he was getting paid. And why, oh why, didn't he take out fire insurance? I mean, I know he told Betty that he did it once but never kept up with it, and how can you not keep up with something like that when you have a business? And it being his only source of income until he, I guess, moved into the, to the apartment building and started to become the apartment, or became the apartment manager. So, so, anyway. Sorry, I got distracted by my cat. I know you know how that is, so he wants my attention when I'm doing something else. <laughs> anyway, on to the next thing, that when they get to the studio and see the damage for themselves, I just want to hug both of them. I mean, Henry and Punky. And that reporter, she should have been fired. I mean, you don't go and do that. I mean, I know it was for show. I know it was to hype up the viewer's, you know, anger towards her and protection for both of Henry and Punky, but still. And the sad thing is reporters, not all of them, but some of them are like that. And it just drives me crazy. So let's hope she got fired. So, on to my main thoughts of the episode, the bulk of the hospitalization and all that. And this is where I'm really going to get on my soapbox here, so please forgive me in advance and I will try and make this as short as I can. And yes, I will be talking about Mike as well, I have not forgotten him, don't worry. But first and foremost, that doctor was a jerk. I've been in hospitals my whole life in and out of them, and I have had some terrific doctors who knew how to speak to children and tell them things, and then I've had doctors like Mr. Golf Champion who don't care, who have no bedside manner, and who just want to get on with their lives and go play golf or watch movies or do whatever they do on their off time. And which brings me to my main soapbox topic of that whole entire scene. He should not have been explaining that to Punky. If he couldn't have done it and knew that he didn't have the compassion, the knowledge, and I'm sorry Raja's tickling me with his tail. Anyway, he should have gotten, like you said, a nurse, or better yet, I'm gonna go a step further, he should have gotten a child life specialist. They had them in the 80s. She or he could have come down, could have explained it to Punky in words that she understood, yes, she's very smart for her age, but she still was only eight or nine, probably just turned nine, if not a few months ago, but sorry, I digress. This per she could have totally explained it in appropriate language for her, asked, answered any question she had, because that's what child life specialists do. They just don't help the kids that are in the hospital going through these things. They help kids whose parents, foster parents, cousins, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, whoever it is, is in the hospital 
for whatever reason and help them to cope and give them tools to help them understand why their loved one is there and what's going to happen and just let them know that 99% it's going to be okay if that is the case, obviously. And they're just amazing and awesome and they should have brought one down for her. That would have solved the whole problem with and gotten Mr. I want to play golf off the hook because he got me angry. I mean, I've been in situations like that and he just represented all those doctors that just don't care, just want to pick up a paycheck, don't care about the patients, especially when they're pediatric or in situations like that where it's not the child in, you know, medical need, it's their caregiver. And I almost think in that situation they deserve, well, they deserve understanding compassion, you know, in both situations, one's them or their parent or what have you. But... Punky needed reassurance. She needed compassion. She needed someone to explain to her what an ulcer is, how Henry was going to get better, how they were going to help him get better in language that she could understand and soak in and just take the worry off this poor child's chest. I mean, she's had so many other problems to deal with and Henry's the only person who really loved her in her whole entire eight years of life I mean I'm assuming her mother did love her at a time but really dude do your job if you can't do your job bring someone down who can and I love Betty Betty is awesome in this episode I didn't mean to switch like that without making a segue but she is so so cool. Even have Betty explain it to Punky. I mean, Betty's a nurse. Sure, she may not have doctor credentials, but she could have done a whole lot better than Mr. Golf. I'm sorry. I keep going back to that, but that just gets me ticked off. I mean, maybe it's coming from my own experience of not having things explained to me when I was in the hospital going through surgeries and scared and our familia not being offered CLS services, which was ridiculous because they had CLS back then. This was in the 90s for me. Late 80s, early, you know, all through the 90s. But I digress. I'm so sorry that this became a little personal. But that's why I'm so passionate about advocating for CLS and having them help these children, whether it's fictitious or obviously in real life. Um, but anyway, I love the way Betty handles chillings and how she's like, you're not coming in here. What, what right do you have to be in here? When he came into Henry's hospital room and was like, this is what's going on, blah, 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 blah. You know, for all he knew, even though he didn't really know the ins and outs of what Henry was facing, honestly think he is the cause or was the cause of Henry and I know I'm skipping heaven in part two having to have surgery for the ulcer because he's the one that caused him more stress don't blame the nine-year-old who had nothing to do with it who's just as scared as her foster father blame the DCFS jerk with no feelings he and that doctor should get along and go golf together <laughs> but and yes, it broke my heart. I mean, part one and part two and part three, 
just tears at me and never apologize for being real on your podcast, Angela. I want to let you know that. Never apologize for that or feel like you have to because being real is the best thing you can do for your listeners, for yourself. And I know what that's like. I run a podcast along with my best friend, a little off topic. I'm sorry. I'll make this quick. Um, We run a Disney podcast and we were talking about some heavy topics a couple weeks ago and I started crying and we kept going, but I, I never apologize when that happens because that shows people out there that you're real and that you have a heart and you care about this stuff. And we need more of that in this world. So please continue doing the wonderful job that you're doing because you are just awesome. Your podcast brightens my day when I see it updated. I listen to it at night before I go to sleep and I'm able to relive this wonderful show through you and get to share in all of your memories, which are mostly similar to mine. And you and I agree a lot on Betty and Henry. I love their banter, as I said before. It's just hilarious. But I also love that, like you said, that Betty is also Henry's friend and was there for him when he really needed somebody. And it just... That warms my heart. I mean, they jab at each other, but they really do care. And she loves that child like she's her, or Punky, like she's her own. And that just goes to show you how devoted and compassionate Betty is. And I was wondering if that was the hospital where she worked, because I'm not sure. I know I'm skipping ahead when I ask this question, and then I'll wrap it up. But wasn't that the same hospital that Punky goes to in Ouch in season four for her appendix? Um, but anyway, anyway, I've talked for a really long time and I'm so sorry for that. Um, oh, oh, before I forget, I can't forget my man. Okay, let's talk about Mike and I promise I will not make this any longer than like five minutes. I love Mike. You already know the reasons why. He is an awesome person, awesome teacher, awesome human being. I mean, he just is, oh my gosh. And in this one, and especially the next part, when they have that scene in the classroom, I think it is, either the classroom or, no, I'm sorry, no, no. They, I think it's at Fenster, that they have this scene where, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I don't know why I'm seeing in my mind that it is the school. But it's that scene where Punky just thinks that Mike can fix anything. And yes, I'm almost going to start crying when I'm talking about this, but I'm, and I'm not going to apologize. But when she just is like, fix it. And he just is so honest with her, but at the same time, just so compassionate. And I don't know if he gets down her level because I don't remember that. I mean, I was able to see these at one point in my life. I've seen all of these with almost perfect vision when I was a kid up and, you know, into my teen years and all that. But I would love some help with that. When you watch the second episode, if you could let me know if he does get kneeled down to her, like just, you know, on her level. But I love that he's honest without being dispassionate. Like, he's just like, I can't. 
you know, like, I don't know if I can. And you can hear the longing and desire in his voice to do this, like to make this all better for her. And because, I mean, he's been there. I mean, he knows what she's going through. And that's why I appreciate their bond. I mean, he may not have grown up in foster homes, but he grew up in a foster environment, like um, in an orphanage environment. So he knows how important having that stability with Familia is and how much she and Henry love each other and how much they need each other. And for him not to be able to do anything when this horrible thing happens and seeing someone he loves and you know this bright intelligent sweet smart little girl just going through just something else that she should not have to even face at that age let alone everything else that she's faced with abandonment by her parents essentially and being on her own until she met Henry I mean it has to tear him up not to be able to do anything for her and not to be able to go in there and just say okay you got this all wrong you know you will not take her out of this home she will stay with Mrs. Johnson who is more than capable of taking care of her for how you know the few weeks Henry's in the hospital I will look it on her I'm her teacher I will make sure she has what she needs alongside Betty but you are not taking her but obviously he can't do that he doesn't have that authority and anymore because he doesn't work at Fenster anymore nothing I don't think he had that authority even when he did but the point being is that scene just breaks my heart because of the power powerlessness that Mike must feel just not to be able to just do the one thing that she's asking him to do and it's not unreasonable that's the other thing I mean she's not asking him to you know, to win her the lottery or, you know, buy her a pony. I'm not saying we would do that, but you, you get what I'm saying. She's asking him to help put her family back together. And, I mean, if you ask me, I mean, that, along with, obviously, the scene in part two in the very beginning when Henry has to tell Punky that he can't adopt her at the moment or at this time are the two most heartbreaking scenes in that whole episode coming up. So I've talked long enough. I'm really sorry this got so long. And I will definitely keep listening. And I hope you had a really good holiday, you, Jeremy Quinn. And I will talk to you later.